Welcome to Election Profit Makers, your guide to winning and losing money on current events using online prediction markets. If it sounds like a wild ride, that's because it is, friend. I'm one of the hosts. My name is David. I'm joined by my friend Starly. Hi, Starly. Hi. And also, John. John, are you there? Yeah, hey. We're recording this on Monday, the 17th of May, which according to my calculations means the year 2021 is almost halfway over. Halfway expired. We're at the top of the roller coaster, and it might be all downhill from here. I can't believe how quickly 2021 is zipping by. Do you think 2021 feels like it's zipping by because our 2021 started end of March? Once we mark the year, the year anniversary, we we, we shortened our year. Yeah, you're right. It kind of reset the new year. Yeah. We we didn't celebrate January. I mean, New Year's itself. Yeah, that felt like a continuation of 2020. Yeah. All of that chaos of January. And then we, February didn't exist. We're really only two months into 2021. You're totally right. That's why it feels like it's going by so quickly because— We've only been in 2021 for two and a half months, but according to the calendar, it's almost halfway over. Yeah. But I have a feeling that the second half of 2021, we're going to take it nice and slow. We're going to savor every moment. We're going to stop and smell the roses, even lick the roses once we're fully vaccinated. Yeah, man. This is going to be the good stuff, John. Back end of 2021, hot fire. See, if it's hot fire, then it should be fun. And when you're having fun... That's when time flies, they say. Says who? I think it's been really slow because it's been so boring. It doesn't feel um, slow. It feels fast. I mean, I yeah. I think it's been so fast because it's so boring. What you're saying right now couldn't make less sense. Yeah. Name a boring thing that makes time go by more quickly. That is the exact opposite of my experience of boredom. It's not exciting, though. Is 2021 exciting? Yes, it's exciting. We had a, a they tried to invade the Capitol. Yeah, but that was part of 2020, remember? Yes, it's true. What's been strange about 2021 is we skipped a step. We shifted from living in a pandemic to living somewhat, even though we're not technically post-pandemic, things are different, but we skipped that middle step of, we skipped Biden day. We skipped having a day like when we said Biden was president. Not election day. No, we had day. that on that Saturday when they finally— No, no, no. We skipped the Biden day equivalent of the pandemic. We don't have a day that we're like— oh. That we look at and we're like, oh, the things are changing. We're all going to go out now. Right. There's no VP day, if you will. Victory pandemic day. Yes. Right. There's no street fair. There should have been a nationwide street fair. Should have been a celebration. Hands across America, tongues across America. Yeah, exactly. Really celebrate the end of this thing, which is not yet over. It's not yet over. We're not jumping the gun. But we are, it's very different. I mean, CDC is saying you don't wear your mask. Well, the CDC is just, I don't know what's going on over at the CDC. Yes, but it's a different time. Restaurants are open. People are going, I tried to go to a restaurant on Saturday and it took, I I had to drive so far to get somewhere because there was, everything was booked. You can't even get a reservation. Now. Right, of course, because everybody wants to eat at a restaurant now. Yeah, everyone. Oh. It felt very destabilizing to be searching for a restaurant and seeing there's no tables available and not having that marker day that told me this, we had entered this era. Well, maybe, I mean, maybe in a couple of months, it'll be 2023. I mean, maybe time is just ruptured and we just all have to be a little more flexible now. Maybe they disrupted time itself. Mm. I kind of think the CDC's announcement is when we had Victory Pandemic Day in Which, some the ways. The Thursday announcement that said keep wearing masks or the Friday announcement where they said no more masks? <laughs> Are you guys not wearing masks right now, may I ask? Because I'm still wearing masks in stores. In stores, yeah. Yeah, totally. I, I, I know I don't need to. I'm not wearing them because I'm afraid. I'm just sort of like, I don't really know if everyone has gotten the news yet, you know. In California, it's not lifted. Oh, yeah. You guys are you guys, you guys are like one of four states that haven't lifted the mandates. I hope they never lift it. I hope they never lift it. I wear a mask every time I'm indoors, and I wear it with pride. I can't wait till it's lifted, but I follow— whatever is mandated. But I, last weekend, I was at an outdoor 
a coffee shop outdoors. People were outside sitting on benches, and everybody was wearing a mask outside. And I have not been wearing a mask when I've been walking Whoa. outside. Never. Yeah, never. And I don't—but everybody was wearing a mask, and it felt like a game of chicken where somebody had pulled up. They were wearing the mask. We all think we have to wear the mask. And it was so complete. There was not a single person without a mask outside. So you couldn't be the person to take it off, even though no, you're allowed. I haven't. That's interesting. I haven't seen that yet. Yeah, I don't want to. But David, you're not fully vaccinated yet. I have another week, and I'm. Uh, let's see. I got my second shot last Wednesday. So you've still got to wear the mask. It's not that everyone doesn't have to wear the mask. It's just people that are vaccinated don't have. To I'll, wear, I'll the wear the mask when I'm indoors in a store, even after I'm fully vaccinated. Okay, that's fine. You know, before where we all had to wear where we all had to wear masks, it was like you couldn't differentiate who was who. Now, when someone's wearing a mask, you look at them and you can think, oh, they're wearing a mask because they're afraid. Uh, and, or they're wearing a mask because they're um, uh, immunocompromised. Or they're wearing a mask because they're an anti-vax person. No, I don't think anti-vax people, though, necessarily wear masks. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, the rule is it's, it's hard to identify. You know, it's weird now when I go out and I'm not wearing a mask. I'm I'm. I feel like people are sizing me up, but of course, no one's really thinking about anything but themselves, so I shouldn't worry about it. Um, Costco certainly still has their mask mandate going here, as we've seen in riveting footage with former child star Ricky Schroeder. Here we are, face to face, a couple of silver spoons, hoping to find we're two of a kind, making our way, making each day together. We're going to find a way together. We're going to find a way. I thought you were going to do something about face-to-face with masks. Here we are, face-to-face, but our faces are covered with masks. All that I ask is take off your mask. I'm going to go blow. Here at Costco, I'm free now. Look (laughs) at my mouth and nose. (laughs) The Schroeder is coming for all you hoes. A bunch of sheeple still wearing their masks. You've got to take them off. That's the most basic thing I will ask. My dad has a pinball machine in the living rooms. Silver spoons forever. Yeah, that was good. So we're not going to get that day, though, right? We've already passed it. I have a feeling that what will happen is that municipal- certain municipalities, once things are safe, like truly safe, will then have like a, let's have a public day, let's have a street fair, that kind of thing. No, 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 that's not going to, no way. I think it will. No. Mm. I am telling you, Los Angeles is going to have an officially sanctioned street orgy at some point. No, no, no. Yeah, they are. You know what it's like? It's not how World War II ended. It's it's how Vietnam ended. It's just going to slowly, slowly the deaths are going to sort of end. And in the end, they're going to be pushing helicopters off aircraft carriers to make space as they're evacuating Saigon. You're right. This was kind of like our new Vietnam. This was just a, (laughs) (laughs) this was just such a shit show. (laughs) Yeah, it was. This was totally our new Vietnam. (laughs) Without the helicopter, we didn't even get the helicopters. At least, least Vietnam got helicopters. They got so many helicopters. Okay, listeners, last week's episode has come to weigh heavily on my mind, on my conscience. Last week's episode was marked by the most colossal error in the history of election <sighs> profit makers. This was a bigger mistake than me thinking Trump was going to resign. This is a bigger mistake than any other bet we've ever made. And the most stunning thing about <laughs> about this situation it was not our only mistake. So let me address the let me make two small corrections before we move to the big the big correction. The first correction is it turns out Wario, who is this character that Elon Musk played on Saturday Night Live, is actually not a Mario brother. For the record, I knew that, but I didn't think it was important. We were we record we're recording for the public record like one of the most prestigious political podcasts in the country. You're going to let me say these things and not correct me? I would expect more. I of don't you. think you said it. I think I think Starley might have said it. I did not say it. Oh, the plot. I did begins. not say it. I did not. I didn't. I don't know anything. Ab- I would. I. I don't know anything about. Sorry, Starley. I didn't mean to put it on you. No, I probably jumped to. Con- I mean, this is the risk of reading Twitter, right? You glance at something, you jump to conclusions, and then you get yourself in hot water. So I just want to state for the record, about that. 
I have been informed that Wario is not Mario's brother. He's his little friend from when they were kids. I'm sorry about that. I assumed it was the logic of like people with rhyming names and cartoons are related like Huey, Dewey, and Louie who are the nephews of Donald Duck and their names rhyme so they're blood relations. And I thought Mario, Wario, those names rhyme. They must be brothers, but that's not Mario's brother. Mario has a different brother. Luigi. Luigi, exactly, Luigi. Okay, next mistake. Although I can't really blame myself for this. I had announced that Grimes did not show up on Saturday Night Live to support her husband, Elon Musk. It turns out she did, although she was in costume, apparently, in the self-same Mario Brothers sketch, to my amazement. However, it was a covert cameo. So I won't. I can't really hold myself to account for that. You can't hold yourself to account, but we should retroactively get credit for predicting that. Oh, that's true. Oh, right. Exactly. It's a, it's actually an opposite correction. Mm-hmm. It's an it's an announcement of our of our <laughs> foresight. Grimes was on Saturday Night Live. Thank you very much <laughs> to all concerned. <laughs> now we move to the big one, Groomgate. John, walk us through Groomgate. What happened? This was a complete breakdown of EPM. Okay. I saw one tweet, and of course I saw saw it during, while we were recording, and I read it exactly how it was written, and then... John, explain the tweet. What are we talking about? Being so coy. The tweet was about the horse that was found to have failed its drug test and the owner of the horse. This is the horse that won the Kentucky Derby. Right. Uh, The owner, Bob Baffert, I believe is his name, had come out that day while we were recording and had said that the drug test was to be blamed on a groom who had— peed in the stall, and the horse had had eaten some of the pee, and the groom had been drinking cough syrup. I just saw all these tweets about it, and I thought it was some ridiculous story that he had come up with about a groom, like a groom in a wedding. Groom aside, is it not still a ridiculous story? It's less of a ridiculous story. Oh, you think? (laughs) But I had no idea. I know you groom a horse. I've ridden a horse. I know you groom dogs. I had no idea that the people that did it were called grooms. Why aren't they called groomers? We would have never have this mix-up. Yeah. yeah. How many mix-ups have there been in the course of human history because the name for someone who tends to a horse is the exact same name as someone who marries a, a blushing bride? How many podcasts have been taken down by this? Ooh, that's a good question. Not one yet. We're fighting. We're going to fight back from this humiliation. I think I led you guys down that path. Whether you knew what, what a groom was or not, you don't have to say, but I will say that that I didn't. I totally thought he was making up a story about a groom, yes. a man who marries a bride. Or marries a groom. Right. So in the movie in the movie Arthur, yeah. Dudley Moore plays a lovable, drunken uh, millionaire, and he is supposed to be marrying um, this woman who, from a rich family, that it, his family was insisting that he marries her, and he gets really drunk, and there's a climactic scene in a stable next to the wedding chapel— Oh. He meets up with Liza Minnelli, who he actually wants to be with, and the groom and the bride's dad comes and punches him out. I think he falls on the hay. There's horses. Like I have like a very clear visual of why I thought groom and horse. And even if you throw rubber tested in, that's like being a drunk millionaire. Right. Everything tracked. It was the Wikipedia entry of Arthur. This story that this guy had told, this fable that he had he had unfurled. Yeah, the narrative was there. I felt like okay, Louisville, a bunch of frat boys. You know, their their weddings take place in on horse ranches and these Absolutely. old plantation houses. I could definitely see a drunk groom wandering into. Absolutely, right, I, we're still wrong though. The long and the short of it is, we made a mistake, but. It was a good mistake. It was an authentic mistake. And I'm torn about whether we actually owe our listeners an apology or just an acknowledgement. An so acknowledgement. For, I'm not apologizing. Yeah, I'm not going to apologize about either. horses. What do we know about horses? Nothing. So listeners, we hope that you haven't lost your faith in us as a source of political analysis and commentary. We do acknowledge this error about grooms. And I would just say, could someone 
because we had a lot of people write in and say, um, I don't know if you're joking or trolling, but a groom is someone who tends to a horse. So whoever knows how to get in touch with the Horse Association, could you please just ask them to change the job title from groom to groomer so we at least know what the heck is going on with these folks and so future podcasts will not make the same error? That's all I ask. Horse Twitter, do your thing. Oh, horses, what a, what, what, a, what a strange and wonderful animal the horse can be. You can ride it and you can feed it oats. That's a horse for you. <laughs> and you can drug it. Yeah, that's right. You can pee in its hay and it'll eat it, big idiot with its big teeth. That's not going to make horse Twitter happy. And I'm not anti-horse. I am anti-horse in movies. I just want to say for the record. Wait. Ooh. I just want to say for the record that any type of movie that's taking place where there's like swords and horses— I'm not necessarily feeling it. Do you get nervous about the horse's well-being? Yeah, I want to break this down. And it's not necessarily because I don't like horses because I think horses are awesome. And I, horse racing is really exciting to watch, you know, like three times a year that I do it. But yeah, some something about like horses and swords and stuff. So it's not because you're worried about the horses getting hurt, which is why people, other people would have a hard time watching horse movies. You don't fear for the horse's safety. I don't like seeing horses get hurt. Right, but that's not why you're... You're talking specifically about a film that takes place in an era where people ride horses and have swords. Yeah, yeah. I, I've gotten better about it, but for most of my life, it's just like, oh, yeah, it's going to be some old guys wearing cloaks and riding around on horses and having swords. And I'm like, oh, I I'm, I cannot relate to it. <laughs> but when you watch a space, people go to the moon, you can't relate to that experience. Uh, I can imagine it more. You can't imagine riding a horse? John's ridden a horse. Well, we rode imagine. horses yeah. at camp together. Right, but he's having yeah, a hard time. Yeah, but we didn't carry swords. So it's a sword plus horse. John has a phobia about imagining that horses are in the past. Huh. You know what I think changed it was when I started to read more about history and realized that, oh, this is actually not made up. There actually were people really riding horses and having sword. No, I didn't think you they made it up. thought that was just like a fictional invention? Like, <laughs> hey, man, let's make a movie about King Arthur and let's do something really fucked up. Let's have these knights ride around on horses. That'll blow their mind. No, that's, that is how I convinced myself to like it. I was just like, okay, this is history. Horses were a thing at one point. So you don't like it when battles happen on horses? No. Jousts? Yeah, jousting. I'm not into jousting. So jousting oh, is your problem, not horses. Jousting. You're going to upset jousting Twitter, not— You have to know which Twitter you're going to upset. I joust alone. Remember that? Yeah, What? what is that? That was some joke we had as kids. I joust alone. Wait. Probably one of our amazing catchphrases from seventh grade. Yeah. But maybe if you can figure out where this catchphrase comes from, we can get to the heart of the trauma that has prevented you from enjoying movies with people riding horses while jousting. Hmm. Your, your Pennywise, it, childhood trauma revolves around this. That, and, and the clue is, I joust alone. Oh, maybe you were left alone. John's version of it would be if there was a horse in the sewer, stuck its little horse head out and said, come down here and play with me, John. Then he gets terrorized by this horse. I swear I had good horse experiences growing up. I used to ride Taffy and Little City. Those were the name of the ponies. Little City? That's a great name. Little City actually was uh, kind of a mean pony, but Taffy was nicer. Maybe you and David were both riding a horse together, and David jumped off. The same time? And, and Yeah, he jumped off. The horse the horse ran into something. No, a swamp. A swamp. Came up into a swamp. And the, David left you on the horse, left you for dead on the horse, and he took off. Yeah, I could see that. And you've held that against him this whole time. Like the breakfast betrayal. But then in the future, now that we are in the present, what's going to come out is that you— Election Profit Makers is a Radio Point production. With Wait, hold on. What's going to come out is that you, that's not true. David didn't leave you for dead. And this whole time, he's been wondering why you've been telling people that. Wow, uh, the deep Madison Cawthorn cut. Very well played. Thank you. Very well played. <laughs> thank you. Took so long for you guys to get it. Oh, my gosh. No, yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and you know I have Madison on my mind because speaking of masks, Madison Cawthorn, our friend in the, in the House of Representatives representing Western North Carolina, had a tweet where he was like, Liberals want to wear their masks forever because they're coward soy boys. 
<laughs> Fucking Madison Cawthorn. I can't wait for him to go down in flames. Cawthorn is the one that said the thing about Liz Cheney saying, na, 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 hey, 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 bye, Liz Cheney. Maybe the hey, hey, hey was in reference to the horse. We're joining horse anon. Everything is like horse conspiracy theories. <laughs> Last week, we were eagerly anticipating the first New York City Democratic mayoral primary debate, which we all listened to. And um, you guys aren't going to believe this, but I lost money on it. I thought Scott Stringer would, I said, I think on the podcast, that I thought Scott Stringer would go to at least seven cents. And he did. Yeah, you were right. You nailed it. But of course, I set my cell at eight cents because I just, I just wanted that one extra penny, you know? And he never got to eight cents. And sure enough, he's back at four cents. I, I think he's effectively done. I feel like, okay, we were all right in our ways. You said seven cents. John said he would have a— I thought he would pop to ten cents. Yes. yeah. You thought he'd pop to ten. He didn't. But then you said, when we were texting during the debate, you said he had gone down to four, and then he went up to seven. So the four to seven was the equivalent of— where he'd been when we talked about that going up to 10. And I feel like I was right when I said nothing he could say in the debate really mattered because people had made up their mind about him based on his accusation before the debate started. It, no matter what, how good his answers were, it didn't, it, nothing, it didn't change anything. Because I felt like in the debate, like I, don't, I didn't think he was like a, a star during the debate, but I thought he was the best in the debate. I didn't think anyone did that. That was a weird debate. It was a lot of people. It was eight people on Zoom. A lot of people gunning for Andrew Yang. And then it looks like he's still unambiguously the front runner with Eric Adams but also in second lot, place. A lot of personalities. Like, it really made me <laughs> yeah. feel like, oh, this is a New York debate. God, the worst. Sorry. Love New York. New York Times and New York Daily News both endorsed Catherine Garcia. New York Post endorsed Eric Adams, who seems to be the most the most conservative um, candidate in the field. Eric Adams, former Republican, former U New York City cop, says he will carry a gun as mayor if there is a credible security threat. Locking up the badass vote. Meanwhile, Jamal Bowman, the senior New York rep in the House of Representatives, everyone wanted to know who he was going to endorse. He had endorsed Stringer, and then after the accusation by Gene Kim, withdrew his endorsement and has now endorsed Maya Wiley, who's a candidate I think would be good. But on an interview the other day, Jamal Bowman actually said, you know what? I kind of biffed it by withdrawing my endorsement of Scott Stringer after that accusation, and I kind of wish I had waited a little longer. I don't know how Scott Stringer feels hearing that. I also don't know how Maya Wiley <laughs> feels after hearing that. Now that yeah, he's thrown exactly. his endorsement to her. Do you know what I mean? It's like, mm, could we wait till after the election to, have to say <laughs> that, Jamal? He, I know Jamal seems like someone who just says his thoughts as they occur. Like maybe he's no filter Bowman. I don't know. So that thing that happened in the debate, at the end of the debate, they asked the candidates to say, if it— we know you want it to be you, but if who's your second choice? Yeah, right. The first few people said um, what their answer was. And I was only listening, so I didn't see someone, so someone's voices blended together. They said they maybe Eric Adams was the first person to not to not say who he, he would choose. He said he was still thinking about it, and then everybody right. was like, I didn't even know that was an option. Okay, I'm definitely going to do that. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> oh, me too, me too. <laughs> Eric Adams. And then it, the Andrew Yang was the last one, and he said, I'll answer— Catherine Garcia, you can be my number two. You want to be my number two? He's so obsessed with Catherine Garcia working for him. He's, he called her his number two. Well, you know, I would do the same thing. If I was just some fellow running for mayor, at some point I'd be like, you know what? Maybe I should have someone on my administration who actually knows what uh, this job entails and um, has some experience. I know, but him being so tone deaf about how he talks about Catherine Garcia— and even that moment where he had the opportunity to not, to get out and not make us mad by saying this woman is qualified enough to work for me, he he never does it. He always says the thing he shouldn't say, which makes him not a good fake politician. Let's make a side bet. Okay. Andrew Yang is going to be New York City's next mayor, and everyone just needs to accept it. 
So my side bet is, will Catherine Garcia go and work in the Yang administration? Hmm. Think it over. I don't think it's a guarantee that, that Yang is going to win. John, he's at 52 cents. He's 20 the, cents the 52 above cents Eric. 52 cents represents what a bunch of degenerates on predicted think. John, I wish and I pray that the words you speak are true, but I no longer think that. I really do think that predicted is reality because these degenerates get it right over and over and over again. Eventually, yeah. And Andrew Yang is leading in all the polls. And no one crushed it at the debate. Errol Lewis crushed him with that question about voting. And then Andrew Yang was like, yeah, I didn't really vote in those small-time elections. And then Errol Lewis was like, mm, you also didn't vote for president. <laughs> oh, I was on my evening walk. I was so happy at that moment. But then Andrew Yang, he said, he said his answer was, um, I remember voting for president. And you're like, we're just not going to question that? He was like, I'm not so sure about that. Uh, he was sure about that apartment price, though. Ooh! <laughs> conspiracy theory about Andrew Yang's stonewalling. He did all this hemming and hawing like, hmm, interesting. So median. Now what median means? Webster's Dictionary defines median as the midpoint between all available prices. Oh, so let's think about this for a second. Then all of a sudden he's like, yeah, it's $900,000. That's it exactly. Oh, wow. <sighs> Sean Donovan, former HUD secretary, amazing knowledge of housing and urban development. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 100,000. So awesome. So awesome. A hundred thousand. A hundred thousand. The me that's the median. That's the median home price in Brooklyn. A hundred thousand dollars. That means half the homes you can buy in Brooklyn are less than a hundred thousand dollars. Those those would be some nice homes. <laughs> They're fucking parking spaces that cost more than that in Brooklyn. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh, Sean Donovan, you flew too close to the sun, my friend. <laughs> God love you, trading at one cent. Maybe Sean Donovan thought they were talking about a median strip. Oh, that's median, <laughs> like, yeah, divided highway. Yeah, that's how much a median strip costs. How much does it cost to live in the median on the Brooklyn Queens Expressway to have a one-bedroom in the middle of the BQE? <laughs> oh, yeah. that sounds like $100,000. Yeah, probably. Oh, Andrew Yang. Oh. All right, everybody get ready. He's going to be mayor. I just don't see anyone else. I just, I just. I, I don't know where this mystery candidate's going to come from. Yeah, what's your scenario, what John? You think happen? it's a ranked choice voting thing where there are a bunch of people who are just uh. truly anti-Yang? Yeah. yeah. The only people who get knocked out of ranked choice voting are the people who get the least amount of votes. So it's going to be Wiley or Garcia or Stringer. Golly, I hope Stringer wins. That would be amazing. Stringer, oh my gosh. He's not. He's not. He's done. I think Starley's right. He's completely finished. And he did seem finished um, by the end of the debate. Like He's got to be hating life. Hating yes. life. Yes. And Andrew Yang is loving life. Although the thing is, for all of Andrew Yang's leading in the polls, there are more undecided voters than voters for any single candidate. So a lot of people still haven't made up their mind. Yeah. And that's why that's why they have Andrew Yang is is pretty much a coin flip right now versus the field. I still think he's going to win. My theory of American politics is the most famous candidate always wins. And Andrew Yang is the most famous. Not the most popular, the most famous. So he will win. Mm. What about the most charismatic? I thought you said the most charismatic wins. As of last week, my theory was the candidate having the most fun will win. That argument also points to Andrew Yang's victory. You don't think Scott Stringer's having fun? He's been having a good time. <laughs> <laughs> Scott Stringer moves on to becoming a children's birthday party performer. Hi, everybody. It's me, Scott Stringer. While I still support women's space to say their stories, I unequivocally deny that this party will not be off the hook. <laughs> they actually all seem like they're having fun to me because they were all— in that New York way, they just seemed like they were having such a good time doing little digs to each other. And <laughs> Donovan wasn't having fun when he got raked over the coals by Stringer. When Stringer said, don't bring me into your daddy problems. Yeah, that was a good zinger, I have to say. That was a good Stringer zinger. Yeah. New York, man. <laughs> Only in New York. Uh, next thing on our outline is, is going to be a lot of fun. Israel and Gaza. Um the Middle East has exploded in violence. The IDF is bombing Gaza. Hamas is bombing Israel. Iron Dome seems to be doing a pretty good job. IDF seems to be doing a pretty good job of just killing the shit out of the Palestinians, including a lot of children. 
it's all the same fun dynamics that we've come to know and love over low these many decades. And the question for us is, and here's where you're, once again, you're going to say we're a bunch of sociopaths, but we're not. We are not ignoring the human cost of these atrocities, but we are merely using our predicted market as a lens through which we can process all of this awfulness. We have two markets about Benjamin Netanyahu remaining prime minister of Israel. Now, why is this relevant to the current skirmish and violence? Well, as many of you know, BB, as we affectionately call him because we all love him because he's a terrific stand-up guy, <laughs> is really having is having trouble as prime minister. They're trying to form a coalition government against him that, in, that includes actually an Islamist group that has a seat at the Israeli parliament. But now that uh, the war has begun, that coalition has splintered, and it looks like Benjamin Netanyahu, who we must remember is also on trial for corruption, precisely because he is such a stand-up guy, now it looks like he'll live to literally fight another day. So, turning to these markets with Netanyahu, we have two markets. Will he be the prime minister on June 30th of 2021, and will he be the prime minister on December 31st? of 2021. According to the most popular theory, uh, the violence is helping Netanyahu in his bid to remain as prime minister. And sure enough, he's at 83 cents. And that's jumped up when all this started. It, it was down to 17 cents. May 4th, he was at 17 cents to remain prime minister on June 30th. And now he's up at... Um, 83 cents. Man, if I was a leader, I would start so many wars. Look at that. Look at that. That's incredible. It just skyrocketed, just like the missiles. A change from the same old, same old of Israel and Palestine um, conflict is the public sentiment seems to have be different this time. Our self and our self-selecting group. I mean, I can't imagine based on the Twitter people I follow that I was ever going to see a bunch of tweets like, thank God the IDF is finally pummeling those Palestinian villages and removing Palestinians from their homes. I knew that was never going to happen. But I mean, like seeing speeches on the floor of the house from the squad members, it's kind of like, oh, this is refreshing. I'll take some more of this. Um, but again, I mean, it always comes down to the U.S. stonewalling the United Nations when it comes to condemning stuff or passing resolutions. The response to this time with the attacks that Israel is doing mm -hmm. seems different than other times. Uh, people seem more comfortable uh, openly speaking um, against it. Jewish people, I'm a Jewish person, are, are, are speaking out and saying we this has to stop uh, free Palestine. Um the phrase has been going around. We can't just keep dismissing it as it's complicated. Best phrase ever. I mean, honestly, it is pretty complicated. Yeah, but who says it's complicated? You never see the Palestinian side being like, you know what? It's complicated. <laughs> <laughs> you always got to check to see who wants you to think it's complicated. No, that's a good point. Oh, boy. Andrew Yang started gaining on Twitter in my timeline when he was tweeting about Israel. <laughs> He did come out later on and, and say, I recognize there are people on the other side and I'm sorry if I blah, 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 blah. So he pulled in, it's complicated. The disruptor acknowledged some complications. I mean, what it comes down to is more, what's complicated about the Israel stuff is human nature is complicated. When we say it's complicated about Israel, we're saying they kind of, want to be bad guys. They want those houses, man. No, they no, want no, those, no. Those settlers want those houses. The way I interpret it is they want the stuff. They want to have it all. But they also want to show that they are very tough, very scary. They want to show the might. You know, Israel is, is, is the fuck around and find out country. <laughs> and they really, they really kind of want you to fuck around. So, right. so you can find out. Exactly. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. I, yes. I, they're not the only country like that. The, the United States is, is like that at times as well. D different reasons behind it, though. Yeah, different reasons. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when we say it's complicated, it's not as much as, oh, we don't know all the fine print with the deeds and who got there first. It's more like it's complicated because the humans are fucked up and there's this really messy 
psychological reasons that aren't really justifiable. But it's not that they're not sending the message that they want to be sending. I think, yeah, I follow. Do you know, I think, I mean, I'm just, this is my, this is just how I'm take. I'm, as a Jewish person, this is how I'm reading it. Because I, I have thought, with this time, I've really tried to not, to like parse out my own feelings and why I go again and again inside myself to it's complicated. Like I, it's really a hard one for me to get past. And like, I know what's right and wrong and I know who has more power and how fucked up it is to use that against children. And, but it's, it's complicated. It's been really hard to dislodge inside myself. Why do you think if things are different now and people are more, people are more open to standing up for Palestinians or criticizing Israel than they were, let's say, back in the Bush administration. Yeah. Part of that probably is that we are no that we don't have this global war on terror, so-called, against jihadists and Muslims right now. We have a whole generation of people who that was just not a part of their consciousness. Yeah. What do you think the difference is? Assuming it is different now. This time is definitely different. People seem like they've had enough. Traditionally, what's happened is you couldn't speak against Israel because you were called anti-Semitic. And that stopped a lot of conversations from happening and a lot of people being able to, like, critically think about things and voice their opinions. And you're saying now that, like, for instance, we've seen a bunch of people in Charlottesville yelling, Jews will not replace us with tiki torches. Now the accusation of anti-Semitism, just because you don't like the Netanyahu government, is a little harder sell. Because, like, we've really seen pure, literal anti-Semitism? No, I think it's just what people are tired of that. I think people are just like, we're just going to push past that. Well, they're also just about to sell Israel, like, a bunch of new weapons, like $700 million worth of weapons. Well, that's not good. Biden has talked to Netanyahu, I guess, twice since all this started happening. I shudder to think what those calls are like. He's also talked to the Palestine. Yeah, I mean, and he restarted the um, flow of funds to the occupied territories after Trump cut it off. So he's definitely better than Trump. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Doesn't feel different from Obama yet. Yeah, I don't know if it's that different. But Obama would certainly get way more pushback on it because, you know, Obama's a secret Muslim, they would say. So Biden might be able to get away with it, whereas Obama couldn't or believed he couldn't. My friend has a fantasy that the reason Biden will be a surprisingly progressive president and why he pushed so hard for COVID relief and why he's going to push through all these kind of pseudo-New Deal-style programs, let's assume that he actually is going to do that, is because Biden is in full-on old man YOLO mode. He doesn't have to worry about the next 30 years of his public life and social life once he retires from the presidency. Obama probably did think about whether he was going to get invited to hang out on Richard Branson's mega yacht or whatever, what he was going to do with his the second half of his life. Biden is probably like, you know what? Being president is probably the last thing I'm going to do, so I might as well do a good job. If that's true, that's a big if. He, he. I mean, I did you read the article about him Where he was and like his decision-making stuff? stuff? I'm totally into that. No, I know. I love it. I love it. Yeah, he wants to know all the details. He's thinking so hard about everything. He's working all through the night. Um, I think he is so focused on doing a good job. Well, the Israel will be, I mean, this is a big test case for this. Israel and Palestine, this intractable problem, your hands are always tied because of, you know, historical ties to Israel, Jewish voting blocks, evangelical Christians, Islamophobia. There's just so much that goes into American politicians' calculations about this stuff. If Biden truly goes pure old man YOLO, and is super progressive on this issue and does the right thing. For instance, the U.S. not vetoing Security Council resolutions against Israel's war crimes. Then I'll be like, you know what? We should always have old people be presidents. This is the best argument for having old, old ass. Let them be 100 years old. Let them <laughs> be 102 years old. If the president is the last job they have and they're like, you know what? Fuck it. I might as well do a good job. Then I'm so into it. Youthful idealists, take a seat. The old people are in charge. And this is this is the testing case for Biden. Oh, Biden, I hope you feel so old and I hope you do the right thing, Biden. There's something special about him, though, because we have we have so many old people running everything. But they've never been old enough, Starly. 
Biden's the oldest ever, and everyone from now on needs to be as least as old as Biden. Well, I mean, they're all old. Diane Feinstein's old, and I don't want her oh, to oh, no, have she's her pretty job. young. <laughs> yeah, she's young. I mean, we've had old, we've had old, you know, senators as old, but they just don't have as much power as the executives. He's the oldest president. Yeah, the oldest president. He's not the oldest person who's ever lived. That would be incredible. If America's <laughs> president was the oldest person who ever lived, that's our goal. That's my Super PAC's 20-year goal, is that in any given year, the oldest person in America is also leading America. Because they have the most <laughs> wisdom, because they're the oldest. It's the wisdom part. Well, he's making me understand what wisdom, when I when I look at him, I'm like, I guess this is, this is, you get older and you think about things and you apply what you've learned because he's a different president than he would have been if he had won those other times. If he had run— If he had won right after Obama's administration? Yeah, if he definitely a different right. president from then. And the other time—there's another time before that he was— He's been running since the 80s, man. This dude used to run for president all the time. I wouldn't have expected him to be the just be the best version of Biden. Old man Biden, I did not think, would be our the best version of being President Biden. Oh, right. Regardless of what you think about Biden relative to other candidates, relative to other Bidens, we're probably getting the best Biden. Yes. That is absolutely true. And that's kind of interesting. And that's why I'm pro-old people. Oh, the Silver Fox Super PAC. This is going to revolutionize American presidential politics. Mark my words, Joe Biden will be the last young president we ever have. From now on, leaders of maturity is going to be our goal. Leaders of maturity. John, would you buy into this market? Morality aside, would you invest in Netanyahu being prime minister on the end of June? 84 cents actually feels a little underpriced for him being prime minister on June 30th. That's too high. When was he supposed to not be prime minister? I mean, whenever they can assemble an uh, opposition coalition, then they can appoint their own prime minister and boot him out. The Islamist member of the coalition was like, yeah, we're out for now. The the, the super right-wing anti-Netanyahu party, I think, is now in favor of Netanyahu because they hate Palestinians more than they hate Netanyahu. That's my 30-second take on it. Is it bad? It, I mean, this feels like truly bad mojo to invest in this one, even more than Trump stuff, maybe because there's an active war going on. Yeah. All right, we're going to pass on that. Listeners, if anyone does invest in the future of Netanyahu as prime minister, if you have an investment in either of these markets, write to us, contact at electionprofitmakers.com. Tell us your position and your rationale for taking it. The only other thing I wanted to talk about this week, Matt Gates, my friend. Matt, you want to talk about leaders of maturity. Matt Gates, his pal Joel Greenberg, everyone's favorite tax assessor, has finally made his plea deal. Now, we all love to talk about Cocaine City, and we all love to get high, high, high in the sky with Helicopter Tony, fly around Cocaine City, admiring the skyline from all different angles and perspectives, looking at those white lines laid out below. It's party night down in Florida. Matt Gates and Joel Greenberg sure did know how to have a good time. When you read about what these clowns were up to, but you read it in journalism voice, it's so incredible. Listen to this. <laughs> First of all, the news link for this article, the URL is yahoo.com slash Rep Matt Gates snorted cocaine dash 22450329348 HTML. That's when you know it's going to be such a good article. When Representative Matt Gates attended a 2019 GOP fundraiser in Orlando, his date that night was someone he knew well, a paid escort, an amateur Instagram model who led a cocaine fueled party after the event, according to two witnesses. The Florida congressman's one time wingman, Joel Greenberg, will identify that escort to investigators as one of more than 15 young women Gates paid for sex, according to a source familiar with the investigations. But what distinguishes this woman, Megan Zalanka, is that she turned her relationship with Greenberg into a taxpayer-funded no-show job that earned her an estimated $7,000 to $17,500, according to three sources and corresponding government records obtained by the Daily Beast. Now, here comes the nut graph, as they say in the biz. On October 26th, this is the most 21st century American paragraph in all of prose writing. On October 26, 2019, Gates attended the Trump Defender Gala fundraiser as the featured speaker at the Westgate Lake Resort in Orlando. 
Two witnesses present recalled friends reconvening at Gates' hotel room for an after-party, where Zelanka prepared lines of cocaine on the bathroom counter. One of those witnesses distinctly remembers Zelanka pulling the drugs out of her makeup bag, rolling a bill of cash, and joining Gates in snorting the cocaine. God is good! Ah, oh, F. Scott Fitzgerald in his, in his most debauched imaginings could never imagine a scene that, that encapsulates this new Gilded Age as, as beautifully as as Gates headlining the Trump Defender Gala and then going to the hot back to his hotel room for an after party with an amateur Instagram model who his, who his wingman has on a no-show government contract to do lines of cocaine in the bathroom. And Starley thought there was never any official sign that the pandemic is over. The <laughs> pandemic is over. The party is on, right? My nightclub that I open is going to be called Matt Gates's Hotel Bathroom, and it's going to be lit AF. <laughs> So, turning to the he Matt should, he Gates should run for mayor. <laughs> he should run for mayor if the if the if the rule is whichever candidate's having the most fun, <laughs> right? But the problem is he can't have fun. I mean, Matt Gates was having a lot of fun. I mean, maybe he wasn't. You know, this type of behavior is usually covering up just like a void at the heart of your being. Now we'll find out with this new post. Trump GOP, maybe he'll just get away with it. Maybe we do live in a post-resignation society. Maybe Matt Gates will give a press conference and say, you know what? Turns out it wasn't fake news. Yeah, I was doing blow. I was paying young girls for sex. And you know what? It was terrific. It was a wonderful experience, and I would love to keep doing it if I could have your blessing. Please don't make me resign from the fucking House Judiciary Committee. Will Matt Gates sit on the House Judiciary Committee on September 1st? Of course I invested no in this months ago. Of course I'm underwater. I can't believe it's true. He's still going to be sitting on this committee in September when they've got him dead to rights as mayor of Cocaine City? John, <laughs> how is this possible? He's not going to resign. We know that. We know he's so. There's two markets. Will Matt Gates resign before September 1st? And we and we know he's not going to resign. We think that's pretty unlikely. But uh, yeah, I I don't think he's going to be on the Judiciary Committee. You're in no, right? Yeah, I'm always in no on this guy. But I got <laughs> burned before. Remember, I thought he was going to resign by May 1st or something. That didn't happen. I'm buying more no. F it. It went. To, I'm down six cents per share. Well, what did you pay? I paid seventy one cents. Now it's at 65. Have I learned my lesson? Absolutely not. Buying more. Well, the other day it was at 57, so you're in a much better position now. Right? I'm sorry. I got distracted because Andrew Yang just collapsed on Predict It. All of a sudden I'm up in, in who will be elected New York City mayor in 2021. Eric Adams just went up by six cents and, and Andrew Yang went down by seven cents. Hmm. What happened? There's only a 10 cent difference. I don't know. Scott Stringer's at 10. Scott Stringer's Wait, at what? 10. What? What? He's at 10 what? cents. Should I sell? Yeah, sell. Should I sell, John? No, don't sell. I sold like 30 minutes ago. Fucking idiot. Why does it why do things never break my way? What what's happening? <sighs> what's going on? I told you he'd get to 10. I can't believe it. He got to 10. I can't believe it. He got to 10. If I had held 30 more minutes, I would have made like five dollars. Damn it. I have a $50 gain right now. Sell, 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 sell. $50 is real money. Sell. <laughs> and Catherine Garcia's up. Man, what just happened? I told you, I told you guys that Yang is not gonna win. He's still gonna be mayor, but it looks like we've got a race on our hands. New Yorkers, tell us how you're feeling. Pretty notable number in the new mayoral polling. Oh, a new poll came out. Ooh, Adams is ahead. What? Adams is now ahead of Yang with 17.5%, Yang at 15.4%, oh and Stringer barely behind Yang at 15.1%. 23% undecided. Maybe Andrew Yang won't be the next mayor. It's one poll. <gasps> now I'm now at $39 gain. Sell, sell, sell. Hop off. That's what I say. It's already going back down. You better hop off that surfboard. Mm. Well, let me sell. I'm up. I'll sell. Stringer to the moon. But now. <laughs> <laughs> Scott Stringer is, is John's uh, Dogecoin. <laughs> this crypto candidate. I just made a little money off my Yang shares. I'll get back into them later. Yeah, I'm thinking of selling. Maybe a little bit of my Adams. You are? I should have. Oh, wow. Now I feel like I shouldn't have sold it. Maybe I'll buy some Catherine Garcia just to ride the wave. 
If I do this, what would be a potential game changer where I could hop off this wave, assuming she rides? I guess if Yang continues to fall, ranked choice voting, does more people start paying attention to the race? Maybe the fact that she got two major daily endorsements, people will pick up on that and she'll rise. I can't believe this. Why is the universe always conspiring against me? What did I do in a former life? Yes, I'm buying. We just saw a glimpse into your thought process. I know, I shouldn't have said that out loud, but whatever. You, at least you're not Jamal Bowman. I just endorsed Maya Wiley. Man, I really fucked up by withdrawing <laughs> my endorsement from Scott Stringer. Have I alienated everybody now? Is everybody mad at me now? Okay, good. I'm going to buy some more Stringer. Oh, John. God love you, John. I think it could happen. I think it could happen. How many shares do you have of Stringer right now, John? I have 400 shares right now. I have a thousand. Oh, wow. If Stringer wins, I get $900. If you added three zeros after that, it'd be the price of a home in New York City. Yeah, you could almost buy a house. Yeah. Yeah, in Brooklyn. Oh, what a rush. Some live wave riding, the likes of which we haven't seen in quite some time. See what happens? You start talking about Matt Gates and these Instagram models doing cocaine and the party shows up. When two or three are gathered in his name, he will be in the midst of them. Cocaine City. Now I'm feeling this weird feeling of being like, well, now Yang has to win to show that we weren't fools. Yeah, God forbid anyone thinks we ever made a bad investment <laughs> on our podcast. We don't even know what a groom is. I didn't sell. For the record, I didn't sell. I held on to my Garcia. I held on to my Stringer. Sticky surfboard. Already I'm back up. 43.50, I'm back up. Election Profit Makers is a Radio Point production with executive producers Alex Bach, Rich Corson, and Daniel Powell with help from Houston Snyder and Kat Ayosa. Support us on Patreon, please. Patreon.com slash Election Profit Makers. Send your election prediction questions and your Yang endorsements and also your Netanyahu analyses to contact at electionprofitmakers.com. If you want to join us in investing in the New York City mayoral election, you can do that at this website, predictit.org. Go to www.predictit.org slash promo slash EPM20 to receive up to $20 in matching funds. Please remember to rate and review us on podcasting, rating, and reviewing platforms. And if you'll beg my indulgence, I've dropped a new song on my band camp. It's called Stealing Jewels from the Dragon's Lair. It's 10 minutes long. The rumors are true. It slaps so very hard. DavidReefsRecords.bandcamp.com can download it for a fair price, I have to say, a fair price. My name's David. Thank you for listening this week. We'll be back soon. I'll say goodbye now to Starly, the wave rider. Goodbye, Starly. Bye. And to John, the man who did not believe that historical people fought battles on horses. Goodbye, John. Bye. Back at $49 profit. <laughs>